say, yes, I am awake. All right, okay. I just, I wanted to make sure, because sometimes we wonder, we wonder whether the pulse is really going, or how fast the pulse is going. And since we start church, you know, at 11 o'clock, I know it's the weekend, but got to make sure that, that you're doing a little bit of Christian calisthenics. Heard a little bit of clapping going on today. Clapping's good. That's a good thing. How many of you, um, when you were a kid, you liked the seesaw at the park? Anybody, anybody a seesaw? Wes loved the seesaw. Wes broke it? Okay. Not as a child. Not as a child. Um, I remember we had big honking seesaws where I grew up. Now, today they've pulled a lot of stuff out of the playgrounds, you know, because of lawsuits and all of that garbage. But, but ours were the big metal bars, you know, and it would go here and you'd have like six seesaws lined up. And there was just enough space where you could get smashed if you fell off yours and you got underneath the other one. And the best thing in the world to do, you know, if you got somebody that was about your weight on the other side, that was kind of cool because then you actually had to push, you know, and you would go back and forth like that. But if you were heavier than the other person... And, and it was fun if they were trying everything they could to get the seesaw down, and you hopped off. <laughs> I mean, that was great, unless their foot was under there, and then you kind of felt bad. It was still funny as a kid, you know, if you weren't the one that had it done to you. But uh, how many of you have been spanked by a seesaw when someone jumped off? Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Now, the idea recently... <laughs> thank you, Danae. Um, I knew it was good to have you on the front row. Recently, oh, okay. Now, the deal is you want to be balanced because it's fun when you're going up and down and it's not fun to be out of whack. It's no fun if you're the big guy and you're on the ground. You know, and the other people are up there hopping and calling all their friends to come get on the seesaw with you, with them, you know, and you're feeling really bad. That's, that's no fun. You want to be balanced. Well, today we're going to talk about balance. In John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, turn to John chapter 4, and we're going to talk about balance. Um, what, the scene that's going on here is that Jesus is going from one place to another. If you read early in John chapter 4, he's going from one region to another. In order to get to where he wants to go, he has to go through a country called Samaria. Now, most good Jews would, have, would go around it. It doesn't matter that it added all kinds of hours and miles to, uh, to, to their trip. They would go around Samaria because they hated Samaritans. Samaritans were not, um, not pure-blooded Jews. They were actually half-breeds. And in the Old Testament, it always said, do not intermarry with other races. And so what happened was the Jews despised the Samaritans. Jesus intentionally walks through their land. And he gets to this well... And if you read the whole account, we're going to read several verses here in a minute, but if you read the whole account, it gets to this well, he sits down and it's noon, it's lunchtime, everybody's starving. So he sends the disciples into town to buy all of this food for them to eat. He sits down, a woman comes walking up. Now, you've got to picture the scene. Anyone in their right mind would not go to the well at noon. Why? Because it's hot. Picture summertime in East Texas, you don't do a whole lot at noon. If you want to do some, some strenuous work, you go either early in the morning when it's cool or you go late in the evening when it's cool, but you don't go at noon. This lady was avoiding contact with people, with humans. 
Now, let's pick up the story. They have this conversation. We're just going to read part of it in uh, verse 19 through 24. Okay, my eyes. My doctor told me this was going to happen. And I have to blink several times. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem... Uh, is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, Believe me, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father here or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know so little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming and is already here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, I underlined a couple of words for you if you were watch, uh, following along up here on the screen. Spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. This woman was confused because she, she thought that worship was limited to a certain time and a certain place. If you go back and study the Old Testament, you see that, that they worshipped in the tabernacle, which was a, a moving tent because they didn't have a home yet. They weren't in the promised land yet. When they got into the promised land, they built a temple. And so you went to the temple, a location, in order to worship God. But in the New Testament, the Bible tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in us, whom we have from God. We are not our own, for we've been bought with a price. So you become the temple. So it's not limited to a time and a place. Jesus said, no, you, you don't understand what's happening here. So what we're going to talk about is in spirit and in truth. What does that mean, in spirit and in truth? In order to kind of describe it in a better way for us to grasp, we're going to talk about feelings versus facts. To worship in spirit here, and this is not a, for those of you who have church background, whenever you see a small letter S for the spirit, that means you're not talking about the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, that's always capital. We're talking about a lowercase s here, spirit. We're going to equate that with feelings. Then we're going to equate truth with facts. All right, we're going to have a little bit of fun with this. So here's what Jesus was saying. God is looking for people who will worship with both feelings and facts. Now, if, if you were to ponder, and I know you all ponder uh, quite a bit, this woman's, I want you to ponder what this woman's life was like. We talked about last week that, that we reflect someone. We were made to worship. And whoever you're reflecting, that's who you're worshiping. Now, somebody tell me the background of this woman. Because they, they, they talk about all kinds of things here, and then all of a sudden Jesus stops and he says, go get your husband and we'll continue the conversation. Those of you who know the story, tell me, what'd she say? I have no husband. Jesus said, you spoke the truth. How many husbands had she had? Five. And the one she was living with now was not her husband. So just, just from that knowledge... Who was this woman reflecting? Whatever man was in her life at the present time. And what had men told her? Because you've got to understand, in this society, women were not valued. They could be given a, a certificate of divorce for anything in certain camps if you just didn't like the way she looked. Write her a certificate of divorce, which meant she was gone. So what had these men done to her self-esteem? Wrecked it. They told her she was worthless, and you hear that enough, you begin to believe it. 
So I think she was reflecting whatever man was in her life at the present time. And she had begun to see all of her, her image, her self-image, and what she could provide for a man. And whether she had a man or not. So she was reflecting men, and, and any time you do that, you're going to be sadly disappointed. And, and all the women said, yeah, amen. No. Uh, well, yeah, true. If you're reflecting anything other than God, you are going to be sadly disappointed. So she comes to this well at noon, lunchtime, thinking nobody's going to be there. And who's there? A man. What do you think she's thinking? Oh, great. That's right. <laughs> you thought that at one time, didn't you? Eula shared the story um, at the funeral last week. Her husband passed away. And by the way, she said thank you to everybody who provided food and, and uh, all of that stuff. We're glad that they're, they're with us today. But when, when her husband, Gene, started pursuing her, that's what she thought. Oh, great. Last thing I need in my life is a man. Great story. You have to have her listen to her tell it sometime. Well, here's, she's walking up and she's thinking, oh, no. A man. And the man starts a conversation with her, so she gets into this. First thing she says, well, you know, you don't, you're talking to me? Because she was Samaritan, he was Jew. They had this conversation. Well, in the conversation, then, they get to worship. And um, Jesus says, you've got to reflect God in two ways, feelings and facts. And if you go to the extreme, either extreme, you're going to be in trouble. This guy, though, treats her differently than any other man. And uh, they talk about this idea of worship, this idea of reflection. And you think about this woman's life. More than likely, every decision she had made regarding husbands, whether she was living with somebody or not, every one of those decisions had been feelings-based. And how had they turned out? Feelings-based decisions. How had they turned out? They working for her? No, not really working for her. Um, she had gotten more and more hurt. Go through five divorces. And it's just layer and layer and layer of hurt, humiliation. And eventually she's a social outcast. She doesn't want to hang out with anyone because she is reflecting the wrong person. And this guy starts talking to her about true worship, the way God intended. He said there's this thread between worship, between spirit and truth, between feelings and facts. But some folks cut that thread and they go one way or the other to one extreme. Now, we're going to look at a continuum based on the idea of a seesaw. On one end is the extreme of feelings. All right, you come over here. This end of the continuum, this end of the seesaw is feelings. Don't tell me the facts. I don't care about the facts because I feel a certain way and I'm going to do whatever I want to based on feelings. This type of church I heard a pastor describe, and I'm intentionally going to the extreme here, as the granola church. Bunch of flakes and nuts all rolled into one. Okay, that's at one side. Don't tell me what, and I've even heard people say this. Don't tell me what the Bible says. What? Okay, so you go all the way over here, you got the, you got the granola church. Come to the other side. Don't give me any feelings. Give me facts. This is the Arctic church. This is the big steeple, no people type churches that, that you can't feel anything. If you feel something, ooh, pull out the cross, pull out the holy water and chunk it at you. Because no, no. And what we're trying to say today is you go to either extreme. 
you're going to be jacked up in who you're reflecting. So what we want to do is we want to strike a balance today. So how do we do that? Well, we're going to, we're going to look at several things about balance. Feelings and facts are married according to Jesus, and it's a happy marriage. I want you to watch this video about some folks struggling to gain balance. to get a point across. Uh, <laughs> Wes was laughing when I was talking about calling all of your friends in order to achieve balance when you're at the playground. He said, man, this makes me feel good. <laughs> you have to have two kids on your side. Um, well, let's look at some facts about feelings today and let's figure out how we can apply balance to our lives. Fact number one, feelings come from God. All right, if you have your listening guides, it's, that's the First fact, feelings come from God. God has feelings too. He's an emotional being and He created us in His image as emotional beings. And I started just kind of looking through Scripture, kind of thinking about the different emotions that God has shown um, at different times that we have recorded in the Bible. One of the first things, Genesis chapter 6. You know, Genesis first book of the Bible, it doesn't take long for humans to greatly disappoint God. And in Genesis chapter 6, it says that humans had become so wicked that God was grieved. He was disappointed that He had even created humans. 
God was grieved. He was hurt by humans. And so the result was um, he sent Noah's flood to wipe out all of humanity except for Noah and his sons and their wives. And God said, we're just going to start over because humans are so messed up. They're not reflecting me to the world. They're reflecting everything except me. We're going to start over with Noah because he's the only one who walks the earth who follows me. Um, years later, when Moses, um, he, was, he was making all kinds of excuses why he couldn't do what God called him to do. The Bible says that the, the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. I don't know about you, but I don't want God so mad at me that it burns. You've been mad. You know what it feels like when anger causes you to burn in the pit of your stomach? God has had feelings of compassion, grief, joy, love. He's an emotional being, and He created us as emotional beings. So feelings are not bad as long as feelings are tethered to truth. All right? Again, the idea is balance. If you let feelings run unchecked, then get you in big trouble. Because here's point number two. Here's the second fact about feelings. Feelings can lie. Feelings can and often do lie to us. Anger? There's a trustworthy feeling. Ever done anything stupid when you're angry? One person. Thank you, Pam. Appreciate that. Thanks for having Oh, okay, Dwayne. Back when I was in high school, a girl made me mad. So I did a logical thing. I tend to think of myself as logical, but I went and hit a fence. Bam! Ow! I mean, I hit that sucker as hard as I could, and, and oh, it hurt. And I thought, that was stupid. I should run or something. Don't hit a fence with your hand when you're mad. Ever say anything when you were mad that you wish you hadn't said? Uh, one of my daughters the other day called Caleb an idiot and uh, came in and I said, why did you say that? Because he made me mad. And I said, do you know what's going to happen to you if you keep calling him an idiot? I took it back. Can you take it back? No, you can't. Not when, not when you're angry and you say something. Um, <laughs> anger moves us usually away from God. Now, there are times when anger is the right response. When Jesus walks into the temple, it wasn't the first time he'd been in the temple, but when he saw it was a money changer's place, when they were ripping off people who were coming, he comes back the next day and it says that he cleanses the temple and he chases them out with whips, overturns the tables. And, uh, and he said, uh, later it was described about this scene, uh, zeal for the house of the Lord will consume me. So there's, there's times when injustice is winning out in the world that anger is the right emotion. But usually... The way you and I use anger, it moves us away from God and causes us to do foolish things. Um, how about that, that old uh, emotion, love? <clears throat> was, he, was that intentional or just <laughs> coincidental? Okay, I think it was coincidental. He was just clearing his throat, but you're here. I told you, you sit up close. Not only you get spit on, you get used all the time. Um, love, ever done anything dumb for love? Got some giggling going on. Uh, all of us have. Um, I was looking, this just came to me the other day, so I started looking. I love the internet because I can look up all kinds of stuff that you never used to be able to look up before unless you had these little books. So I looked up, um, this song came to my mind, and I'm going to read some of the lyrics from this song. It was a hit back in the day, and this is back before most of your days, but you probably have still heard it because it's been re-recorded, and we'll talk about that in just a second, but let me just read some words. Whenever you figure out the title of the song, just call out the title of the song. So many nights 
I sit by my window waiting for someone to sing me his song. So many dreams I kept deep inside me, alone in the dark, but now you've come along. Not piano, man. Because you light up my life. You give me hope to carry on. You light up my days and fill my nights with song. What a beautiful song. And then... This was 1977. I was in seventh grade. Now check this out. It was, it was a Billboard Top Ten hit for ten straight weeks. This song was voted number one song of the decade of the 70s. You light up my life. Listen to how this idiotic song ends. It can't be wrong when it feels so right. Because you light up my life. Now, my question to you is, it can't be wrong when it feels so right. How many people do you think dedicated this song to the light of their life 30 years ago? How many of them are still together today? Four. Four. <laughs> Four. That's probably about right. But, but it can't be wrong if it feels so right. Because you light up my life. Um... It's been re-recorded by Leanne Rimes. Anybody heard her sing? I didn't know that until I got on the internet and started finding all of this stuff. It can't be... That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I ate until I almost puked last night, and it felt right while I was eating Jamie's food. Amanda said she only ate crackers for lunch so she could have extra room to eat Jamie's food last night. It felt right until the girl said, spin me, daddy. <laughs> I spin, I'm going, oh. It didn't feel so right anymore. Um, Alabama actually recorded a song in 1981, and, and I mentioned it to Janie. She goes, ooh, good dancing song. Feels so right. Mm, and basically all the song is, mmm, mmm, feels so right. <laughs> That's the song. It was a great dancing, great two-stepping song. Um, feel so, feelings are dangerous. That's what I want to get across. Some of you are in the midst of a huge decision, and you're going to make that decision based solely on feelings, and you're going to jack up your life because you're going to regret it. You'll end up flying emotionally through the air like Hannah and Rachel did on the video, and you're going to crash, and it's going to hurt because you're going to make a decision based on feelings. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to slow down, and I want you to ask God about it. And we'll talk more about how you can get balance, but here's a secret. You, you've got to understand this if your life is going to turn out differently than, than it has before. Because many of you would say, the decisions I've made on my own, I wish I hadn't made some of those decisions. Slow down and talk to God, because here it is. You cannot know the truth of your situation until you've heard from God. Let me say it again. You cannot know the truth of your situation until you've heard from God. Um, you cannot know the truth of those circumstances. Again, go back to Scripture. This is God's Word to us. This stuff does not change. That's why we're not still adding to the Bible. God, God has 95% of His will for your life contained right here in these pages, and you miss it because you don't even bother to open the book. Well, let me just give you some examples from when the situation, the circumstances looked one way, and they turned out another. Moses... He leads the Israelites out of Egypt. They're wandering in the desert. They get to this big body of water called the Red Sea. And they're camping. They're just having fun because they're free. 
Don't know what to do yet because they've been in slavery for 400 years. They're just hanging out by the sea. I imagine there's some weenie roasts going on. Woo, dancing, singing. And then they hear this rumble in the distance. Is it thundering? Smoke coming up. Oh, no. Pharaoh's big, bad army with all the chariots in the front are coming. And your first thought, you know, some big, bad army's coming to you. Run! Turn around. Oh, ocean. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? The truth of the situation from that perspective of all the people there, both Egyptian and Israelite, was Israelites die. They've been in slavery. They don't even have weapons. They wouldn't know how to use them if they didn't have them. 400 years, they were brick makers, farmers, shepherds. I guess if you had your staff, you could whack a dude that has a sword and a spear. The truth, according to their perspective, was we die. But they hadn't heard from God yet. And when they did, Moses does what God says. God puts a sidewalk through the Red Sea. And all of these slaves go walking through the Red Sea. I just think this would be the coolest thing ever. Walls of water on both sides, you know. I can imagine my kids going, Daddy, is it going to hold up? <laughs> yeah, if God did it. And you get across, and then you turn around and you look, and, and oh no! Here comes the big bad Egyptian army. And when God moved, boom. You see a bunch of highly trained soldiers, dead, floating, washing up on the shore. And everybody went, oh, my God. What a God we serve. Did anybody see that coming except God? When the Israelites are standing there with the Red Sea and the army, nobody saw that coming but God. When God spoke, it changed the whole situation. Now, the Israelites felt helpless. The Egyptians felt invincible. Who was right? Neither. Because God was going to do something that only God can do. Both feelings were wrong because the facts were they've not heard from God yet. Now, if you ever go through Scripture, I just want to challenge you to do this. Go through Scripture and look how many times a situation, according to some person, some human's perspective, looked like it was going to turn out one way because they hadn't talked to God. But then when they talked to God, it turns out completely different in a way nobody saw coming except God. Over and over again, when you hear the truth of God's Word, when you hear the truth of your situation, it comes from God, not from your buddy, unless they've been talking to God. Not from your own wisdom, because you haven't been around since the beginning of the world, beginning of the universe. But when you hear from God, it changes everything. Now, I've got to ask you a, a couple of questions. Because Satan, our enemy, what he wants to do, he, he, he dares you to base your life, your decisions on emotions. Because we talked about this last week, John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, the job description of Satan is, he steals, he kills, and he destroys and he wants you to base your life on emotions because they are so easy to manipulate. He's begging for you to base your life on emotions because he will mess you up. And then he'll hang you on the wall for all to see. The more public your fall, the better Satan likes it. Because he wants people who know you're a Christ follower to see you mounted on the wall. 
Because he wants to bring shame to, the glory, to, to God's glory, to the church. And so what we've got to do is, is not base our, our decisions on feelings. We need to tether it to truth. Let me, let me ask you this. Someone says to you, why haven't you asked for forgiveness? Have, have you ever said or thought, well, I'm waiting till I feel like it. I have never in my life felt like asking for forgiveness. Not ever. About to come up on my 43rd birthday, never ever felt like asking for forgiveness. But I've done it many times. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. Um, God says to forgive, and so if I've offended someone, I have to go to them. And if they come to me, I have to forgive them. It has absolutely nothing to do with feelings. It's all about decision, whether I'm going to follow God or not. Truth, and by the way, you know, we're going to read this in a minute, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is a person. Truth is not some abstract idea that you discover. Truth is revealed to you. So when Jesus reveals his will to you, truth is speaking into your life, and it makes a huge difference if you will be tethered to truth. Well, the last thing is, this, in, in this section anyway, is the right attitude towards feelings is this. Feelings flow from commitment. Feelings actually flow from commitment, not vice versa. If you wait till you feel like doing the right thing, you're not going to do the right thing. You don't feel your way into commitment. Um, Have you ever seen somebody who's waiting for a feeling to commit to a job or to a relationship or to church or whatever? They wait for the feeling to be right. Do they ever get around to the feeling? Uh, Not usually. No one feels their way into commitment. I regularly do not feel feelings of love for Janie. I was just waiting for you to react to that. I regularly do not feel feelings of love for God. Oh, no. Love has nothing to do with feelings. Janie feels horrible this morning. She's downstairs working with kids. Because she'd made a commitment to do that. The good news is, when I stood before my brother was the pastor who did our wedding, I, uh, I made a pledge that I would love Janie regardless of how I felt. I sang a song to her. I will be here. Through the winning, losing, and crying, all of this and trying, and I will be here. I will be here. I will be here. I will be here. That's what I kept singing over and over. I will be here. And she believed me had nothing to do with feelings. I didn't know a couple years later I was going to go eat a Thanksgiving meal and get food poisoning from it and throw up my toenails. I won't go into all the details. When I was in youth ministry, I did because they liked that stuff. But when I was laying on the floor in my bathroom in Arlington, Texas, hugging the toilet, thanking the toilet because it's cold on the side, you know, That's a Bill Cosby thing. Oh, thank you, toilet, for being so cold on the side. When I was laying there, I didn't feel like loving Janie. I guarantee you she didn't feel like loving that lump in the floor either. Feelings don't have anything to do with it. Feelings don't have anything to do with whether I pray or whether I read the Bible or whether I worship. It's a decision. I I made the decision years ago that I was going to give my life to God and I was going to follow Him regardless of how I felt. We, we mess up when we think that love is a feeling. Let me give you some facts about love from, from God's Word. If you want to turn to it, you can. It's in 1 Corinthians 13. You've heard it read at most weddings. 
You've heard it over and over. It's the love chapter. Love is patient. Because patience is all about feelings. Right? If you have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you have a spouse that annoys you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Love is patient. It's going to take me a while to get through these, these things here. And kind, because kindness is always feelings-driven. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Jealous, boastful, proud, rude. All of those are feelings-based, right? Jealous, boastful, proud, rude. And that's the opposite of love. Oh, no. Feelings got to be in here somewhere. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. <laughs> yeah, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Irritable. You don't feel like loving anybody, and I guarantee you nobody feels like loving you when you're irritable. It is not a feelings-based thing. And it keeps no record of when it has been wronged. Oh, I hate that one. Because in the Washburn way, my mom has a list. And if you really make her mad, she'll pull it out. Everything you've ever done going back to labor hope she never listens to this because then I am so in trouble. <laughs> Keep a record of wrongs. That's the opposite of love. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Okay, where are the feelings? They've got to be in here. Where are the feelings? Love's about feelings. It can't be wrong if it feels so right. Feels so right. Mm -hmm. Feels so right. I regularly do stuff I don't feel like doing. You do too. How many have felt like going to work every week, every day this week? Whoo, can't wait. Get in my car, sing. I'm walking on sunshine because I'm going to work. No. Taking out the trash, washing dishes. I hated it in the middle of the night when our kids were babies and she'd poke me in the ribs and say, it's your turn. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. It's your turn. No, it's your turn. I never felt like wiping... My kid's hiney? I don't feel like mowing the lawn. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know there's times I don't feel like coming to church? Feelings have nothing to do with it. I've actually thought about not showing up sometimes just to jack with you. I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like it. I'd rather be fishing. Um, those things, you know, cleaning the bathroom, because that's kind of like my job. No one else wants to do it at my house. And when I'm cleaning that toilet, warm, fuzzy feelings are not what I'm feeling. <laughs> I got something going on, but it's not warm and fuzzy feelings. Um, Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross either, but it was all about commitment. You will become what you're committed to, so maybe we should spend some time checking out our commitments today. Your feelings will flow from your commitments. Here, I want to just read you some truth from God's Word. And I want you to just think about feelings, where they are in this. Ephesians 4.32. We're going to go through these real fast. You won't have time to turn. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Anything about feelings in there? Hebrews 12.28. We should be grateful that we were given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And in this kingdom we please God by worshiping Him and by showing Him great honor and respect. Okay, grateful. Uh, in this kingdom we please God by worshiping Him, showing respect and honor. Feelings? 
Feelings, anyone? Anyone? Hebrews 10.25, some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship. I don't feel like it. You are the sum total of your habits. But we must not do that, is what the Bible says. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. I don't always feel like encouraging people. Do you? Doesn't have anything to do with feelings. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you want to come with me, you must forget yourself, carry your cross, and follow me. Forget yourself. Forget you. You've had people say that to you, but not in the same context. Jesus says it's not about you. This life is preparation for the next. And if it's all about you in this life, I'd be really, really scared about what death holds. Because in the next life, if you choose to live your life based your way, you're worshiping you, then you've rejected God's way, and, and I would be very, very concerned about what happens on the other side of death. Because Jesus said, you've got to forget yourself if you want what he has. John 14, 6, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth. There it is. The truth. The truth is a person who wants to have a relationship with you. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And just a, a kind of a, a preview, this summer in June, we're going to look at several different religions, and we're going to look at how Christianity compares to that. And, and we're going to talk about the fact that there are not many ways to God. There's one based on the founder of Christianity. So if you're interested in that type of thing, be sure and, and be here in the month of June. So now, if we're feelings-oriented, what do we do if we're feelings-challenged? What do we do um, to get balance? Well, three things you need to remember. Here they are. Number one, remember there is a time for everything. Because what happens is usually a logical person will, will marry somebody who's more emotional. Have you all noticed that? One person tends to be logical. One, yeah. <laughs> one person tends to be more emotional. And, uh, amen, yeah. Um, and what happens when your kids need something fixed? Which, which type of parent do they generally go to if they need something fixed? The logical one. Because it's going to get fixed right. <laughs> if they're hurt, which one do they go to? They blow past me. It's like you're not even in the room. And they go to Janie and crawl up in there because she's going to get the cool thing and put it on their head. And she's going to pat them. And, oh, I love you. And I'm going to be going, hmm, is anything broken? Need to go anywhere? No. Okay. You're good. I mean, they know that, so they go to the emotional one. Um, I try, but usually I'm like, you're not dead, and it didn't break the skin. There's no blood. Come on. Let's throw you in the pit again. That happened to Hannah the other day. She got hurt actually filming that thing. Wes jumped too soon, and the board hit her in the rear, and oh, it was bad. And she, doesn't tr and she still blames Drew for everything. I was like, yeah, it's not me. Because um, I didn't snatch her off the board quick enough, and it was, it, it, she got hurt, and I'm like. The wisest man who ever lived said this in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 4. There's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to rebuild. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. Now, planting and harvesting... Not a whole lot of feelings there. You just know. If you don't know, get the farmer's almanac and read when you're supposed to do that stuff. But there's a lot of stuff in there. Crying, laughing, grieving, dancing. Emotional. Guys, you want to you make points? Take your, take your wife um, ballroom dancing. 
It is a blast. Everybody looks dumb. All the dudes do anyway. Women usually look pretty good. But it's a blast. There's a time for everything. So there's a time for feelings. There's a time um, for, for truth. But they've got to be tethered if you're going to be balanced. Number two, use a feelings filter. And, and this, is, this is a big deal. Philippians 4.8 says this, and, and this, is one of, this is actually my feelings filter that I use whenever my feelings get out of whack. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This works for either the emotional person or the logical person. And, and I said I tend to think of myself as fairly logical, but then my feelings get hurt and logic just goes out the window. So here's, here's what you do. Next time somebody hurts your feelings, makes you mad, whatever... Then, then use this. Go and say, fix your thoughts on what is true. So Janie hurts my feelings. Doesn't happen very often because I don't have many, but I got a couple and every once in a while she'll step on one. And hurts my feelings. So what I have to do is I say, is it true that Janie wanted to hurt me? Anybody who knows my wife would say, oh goodness, get over whatever it is, dipstick, and you might smack me and you'd be right. So I think, is it true my wife wants to hurt me? Absolutely not. I rarely get past that in my feelings filter. Is it true? Is it true? No. Is it true that, that my son was disrespecting me? Sometimes, yeah, but most of the time, no. I just take it the wrong way. So is it true? Um, the second thing is, is it honorable? Somebody, you're on the, on the highway. Somebody cuts you off. Is it, is it honorable that I want the logs on that logging truck to come off the side and smash his car? Is that honorable? No, 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 no. So you don't get very far there. Is it right? Is it right that I would just like to run over someone who makes me mad? My nephew got mad at his professor, and he, he kind of struggles with some, some anger issues, and he is a big man. I used to wrestle with him when he was Caleb's age. No more, man. He, started get, he got my size at Caleb's age, and dude is like three of me now. And I just say, yes, sir, when he walks in the room. He's a great kid. But he got mad at his professor and he told my dad, I just want to take a ball-peen hammer and go smash his forehead in. <laughs> Is that true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, excellent, <laughs> praiseworthy? No, 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 no. Let's not do that. Um, okay, so you, you get the idea. It will also, it will do two things. It will help you uh, not have as much grief in your relationships if you use the feelings filter. It will also help you worship God because a lot of times feelings can take you away from God. If you come in thinking, nobody loves me, nobody's going to talk to me, why am I even here? Who, who's your focus on? Me. me. And then you miss God. God says wherever two or three are gathered in His name, He will be there in, in your midst. But so many times I hear people say, I didn't get anything out of church today. Well, your focus was you. Because God said He would show up. And maybe the fact that you're not spending any time with God outside the church, maybe that's why when you come into church, it's just a foreign country to you. And God can't speak to you because there's so much other stuff going on, all of this frequency stuff going on, you can't even hear God when He says, Here I am. God tends to whisper, not shout. Now, the last thing is, Talk to an objective source before major decisions. Oh, man. Get the perspective of someone you trust and love. Someone who is a Christ follower, because if you go to someone who's not a Christ follower, they're not talking to God. They're not going to hear truth. A Christ follower that, that you 
um, really respect. It is amazing how I can see clearly in someone else's life things that I would miss in my life because I'm not emotionally involved. I've done a lot of premarital counseling. I've done a lot of postmarital counseling. In the postmarital counseling, the problem is that the, the husband is looking from one perspective, the wife is looking from another perspective. I come in, I see both perspectives, and they're both looking at themselves, and they need to get God's perspective. And, and I've told people before, you are the main problem in this relationship. And, and you know, one of them will go, yeah, I told you, and you're the other problem. Get the perspective of somebody who's not emotionally involved because they can tell you truth and it can save you a world of heartache. Um, but I've seen people get married to the wrong person because they were sure. And, and the amazing thing is everybody in their life who loved them and who is still here today, 30 years later, you know, from when they dedicated, you light up my life to them. Everybody was saying back then, they're not the right person for you. And they don't want to say, I told you so, because that's just going to make you mad. But they did tell you. But you wouldn't listen, because you were right. Your feelings are right. I've seen people get divorced from the right person. Get married to the wrong person, get divorced from the right person. All based on feelings. People buy houses, they buy cars, they, they change churches. All based on feelings. People have jumped into and out of commitments based on feelings. And what I'm trying to get across to you today is, you've got to have both. You've got to be balanced. So, remember this. Life is seasonal. Just because you're in a bad situation now doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. God is, God is interested in your character. And so, if you don't listen to His whisper, He allows pain to come to you. C.S. Lewis said, God shouts to us through pain. Because sometimes that's the only way He can get our attention. He lets us hurt because we choose it when we turn our back on Him. So, if you... If you Ask people's opinions if you remember um, that life is seasonal and you use a feelings filter. You know what you'll achieve? Balance. That's what we're looking for. Would you take your registration cards and, and fill those out?